John Harris is with us. He is the football analyst. I love that title, the football analyst. That makes you sound like the smartest guy <laughs> in every room, guy. man. Yes. He, a football analyst for the Houston Texans. He's the NFL draft insider for the team, and he's also the draft insider and owner of footballtakeover.com. John, good to be with you back in Indy after a year off. Oh, boys, it is good to see you guys. Uh, we missed you at NRG Stadium, and, of course, you know, this year was not a – not a great year for seeing you guys. Thirty-one was a thirty-one to three and thirty-one to nothing. It was yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. seeing the horseshoe is has uh, not been not been good the last few years. But it is good to see you guys. I love. We all love coming up to Indy for this event. Yeah, it's just and I know you guys love hosting it. Love being the host for everybody. And I, I live twelve minutes from here. <laughs> it's glorious. We don't, but we'll take the flight. We'll take the flight every single year, man. We love coming up here. It's twice a year we come up here and. Uh, I think Wednesday is uh, one of our favorite local establishments. I don't know if I could say it on the radio. But we always say it. Say Prime, it. Prime 47. Yes. Oh, very nice. Yes. So yes. Is, it, is it sacrilegious? They, they, are, to they say? are a sponsor, so okay. you're in good shape. Okay. Is it sacrilegious <laughs> to say that everybody seems to think of one other place? And we, Prime 47, that's our place. Listen, All right. you, you can't go wrong. Uh, you, that's what I always say. You can't point. go wrong. Yeah, it's a great you point. You know? That's a great point. If you got new hires, and they haven't had the shrimp cocktail, yeah. you can get it anywhere. So you, you're, right. you're good there. But, no, we, we seriously love coming here, and this is such a great event. And see it back here in the convention center and at mm-hmm. Lucas Oil is really cool. All right, so let's start there. Fill in the blank. If, if the combine leaves Indy, you will fill blank. Sad. Yeah? Yeah. This, it's sad. It's just you get used to seeing it. I saw somebody mention this during the Senior Bowl, and I've been going to the Senior Bowl. I think this was my ninth Senior Bowl that I went to in 2022. And you just have your local places that you go in Mobile. And it's gotten the last couple of years because of COVID. I've actually taken my family down there. And we stayed south of Mobile at Dolphin Island. So we get a place at the beach. But I go to Mobile. And, you know, restaurants are there. Everything you need is there. Senior Bowls. I mean, it's just perfect in Mobile. And people want to move it on Mobile. I'm like, same thing in, in Indianapolis. I mean, I know you can move it out to L.A. And it's gorgeous and all right. that. Now, I wouldn't mind L.A. And I'll say this only just because my daughter just went out there. She's living out there now my wife is actually out there with her for a while um so i wouldn't mind it in la just because i could see family but it feels like we come up here and it's like a big family reunion coming up to indianapolis yeah we know where everything is and you can stay inside even if it gets cold and you might get snow sometimes which is romantic in some sense so (laughs) i love it i I love combine and romanticism i love it people in houston know how i feel about the combine and yeah they would say romance is probably a word that goes with it because of how much i love it. It, it, it it would make me sad i think it would make a lot of people sad i think it's very convenient i said this to the guys you take a shuttle from the airport to your hotel, and that's the last time you have to, you have to get into a vehicle. It's the last time or, you or wear a, a coat yeah, if you really absolutely. wanted to. Absolutely. So you can, you can pack light in some sense, and yeah. don't, you don't have to drive around. You don't have to deal with traffic. And I know there are a lot of places it wouldn't quite be that way. And this, this place has always put on a really great event, whether it's a Colts Sunday or whether it's a combine or whether it's a Final Four. Um, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have been here last year for the basketball tournament. It was awesome. It was great. Incredible. It was awesome. And the Coos got to the Final Four in that. You're exactly. I and saw them the, play Rutgers. I here. saw them play on Sunday, man. And they're just uh, – Kelvin Sampson's done a great job. And I know for some people up here, that's a, it's not a bad – it's a bad thing. But <laughs> eh, Kelvin's done – I think um, we're over it. Yeah. yeah, Kelvin's done some really good things for Houston. So that would have been really, really cool to be a part of that event. But, yeah, it would make me sad to see that thing leave here. Here's a funny story about the Final Four. I think I may have told you this. I wanted to go to Lucas Oil Stadium just to watch a game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see the setup, just the infrastructure, like yeah. how cool it was. They divided the stadium into two different courts. So I bought a ticket to the Rutgers-Houston game, which was played at Lucas Oil Stadium, I think on a Sunday night, round two maybe, uh-huh. yeah. second, yeah, second, right. yeah, first weekend, but round two. And, again, I live close, so I packed my five-year-old 
into the car because I just wanted to see the game. Like yeah. I, I have no rooting interest. Yeah. I have no skin in the in the fight here. So I pack her in the car. We come down to the first half. We're sitting all the way up in the upper deck, like the last the last <laughs> section. I just bought the cheapest ticket because I wanted to see how it was set up. That was really all I wanted to see. So we stayed for the first half. We left at halftime. She got a bath and was told a bedtime story before the game was over. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Holy smokes. So, I mean, but well it, just, it just goes to show, like, yeah, yeah. all of these cool things are in our backyard. Yep. They're in our city. Yep. They're so close, and we get to experience them. Yep. And that's why I'm, I'm very disappointed that I think the Combine's on the move and – you know, these face-to-face conversations that we're having, John, I don't know if it, they're, they're going to happen to the Combine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that's one of the things I think about the Combine. For, for the people that come to the Combine, because I was asked by, by a friend of mine, hey, well, why do you guys go to the Combine? And I was like, well, but what I wanted to tell him was I get to see my friends around the league because this is now my, my eighth Combine, and I've gotten to know the radio crews from around the league, gotten to know you guys, got to know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Frank, I, I coached in Jacksonville for, for a while, so I've known Frank for the longest. Frank um, Frangie, Frank yeah. Frank Frangie at yeah. Jacksonville, and, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Keith, who down at the Senior Bowl, we had got a chance to chop it up, and we saw Jeff Joniak in a hotel today, the mm-hmm. play-by-play voice of the Bears, and we'll play them in Chicago this year. And so we chatted him up, and so you just have this big sort of NFL family reunion. I mean, it's the – it's the biggest, smallest fraternity in the world. And you go to a game, and, and whoever you're playing, there's a player that knows a player because they played in college, they played in high school, or they played together with the, the Jets, and now they're yeah. you know, on the Colts and the Texans. And you have all that kind of stuff, and then you see players that you got accustomed to. So we went to Arizona mm-hmm. this year. And, I mean, I hadn't seen Hop since the trade, since he had been traded. Yeah. I hadn't seen J.J. Uh, since he had you know, asked for his release. And seeing both of them on the field in Cardinals colors, just like, oh, my goodness. And it made me think about the combine in that way because Mm -hmm. we get to see everybody. Everybody's here in one central location. You know, they're not driving from, well, we're staying out in uh, El Segundo and we're coming from, (laughs) you know, Huntington Beach. And, you know, everybody's right here. Four-minute drive or walk. Yeah, I mean, everybody is is right here. You never know who you're going to see in a hotel because you're you're taking all the tunnels and everything. And it's just – it is the – I, I didn't understand that for a long time until I, until I got with the Texans in 14 and, and came here, and then I came here for my first combine at 15, and I realized, wow, this is a, I can see why this is a great event city. Mm-hmm. I, told, I totally and completely got it at that point. And it's changed so much since then, yeah, too. Yeah, right? and it's just gotten bigger and better. I mean, it's, right. it's an incredible place to have it. I know people are like, wait, Indianapolis? Yeah, Indianapolis is a great sports town to mm-hmm. come here for events for sure. So I hope it stays here. All right, you've got the, the Harris 100. I do. And it's on footballtakeover.com. What is it? Pub it up because it's really good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's my top 100 draft prospects. I got 100 through 200 coming. I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> I think I've got them ranked. Uh, I just have got to be able to put a little snippet for each one. But I just essentially go through. And it was funny. Nick Casario was giving me some grief the other day. We were kind of talking about it. And uh, – he looked at me at some point. We have a defensive tackle that we just drafted in 2021 who was arguably our best rookie named Ray Lopez, and Roy did a really nice job for us. And he was kind of going, he was like, well, you didn't have Roy Lopez in your 100. And I was like, you didn't draft him in the 100. <laughs> yeah, we were both so, right. So, um, you know, it's different in some sense, the fact that when I do the 100, I do it for everybody. Yeah. If I were doing it just for us, there would be a number of players I was like, okay, we're not 
these guys are these guys would be out. Sure. We're not looking at these particular guys. Right. And I would scale it down, but because it's just a all encompassing, you know, if any team picked it up, this would be how I would rank those particular players. And so I try and I try and base it on as as much as I possibly can what I think that player is going to do right. going forward into the NFL. In 2018, Quentin Nelson was that guy. He was number one for me. Um, Laramie Tunsil was that guy in 2016. Now I knew those guys weren't going to go number one. I thought Laramie had a chance, and then of course. You yeah. know what happened with Laramie with the, the video and such. Um, man, I knew Quentin wasn't going to go uh, number one, but to me he was the best player and best prospect in that particular draft. I was just hoping he was going to go well before six. <laughs> now I've got to see him twice a year. <laughs> um, and even with a bum ankle, I saw him this year. And I thought that was what was interesting about watching you guys is like, you know, Quentin and, and Darius are hurt all year long, and you watch them and they're still dominant. And, you, and I know watching them like, those guys are hurting. Like, you can see it. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not walking right, and they're still dominating the game. And it shows you how good that 2018 draft was, especially throwing in Braden Smith as well. So, so yeah, at the top of my list, uh, I know, you know people in this area, of course, love themselves some Notre Dame football. And Kyle Hamilton's safety from Notre Dame to me is um, – I know I'm a little bit older than, than, than you guys. I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Sean Taylor – Played with the Washington, oh, yeah, formerly the Washington Redskins. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so Sean Taylor was a guy I loved. Grew I, when I was coaching in Florida, he was a senior at Gulliver Prep. Yep, and was watching a was watching a highlight show. We had just clinched the district for the first time in school history, and so I felt like that was going to be on the show. And so they were they <laughs> gave it a little tease that it was coming, and they're like, "Before we go to Episcopal, let's take a look at Sean Taylor." And I was like, "Sean Taylor, I look up." I was like, "What about us?" And I watched Sean Taylor. I'm like, oh my god, can I see more of Sean Taylor? <laughs> and so that's when my love affair with a guy that was six three, two hundred twenty pounds, grew, and I realized, yeah, Kyle Hamilton is the closest thing to Sean Taylor I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I've seen players that have been good. I've not seen anybody like that. And so he's at number one, um, and Aiden Hutchinson's at number two, uh, and then we pick at number three. So then it gets kind of exciting and. Um, right now, I've got Evan Neal at three, Iki Kwanu at four. So those four, to me, kind of, I think those four are set apart from everybody else. Okay. I think those four, the top four, I think you can, you know, there'll be some cases made for Kayvon Thibodeau. I love Tyler Linderbaum. He's actually six for me. I love him. I know he's a, I know he's not going six. I know it. But as a football player um, and a guy that's going to have a long career, um, I look at Tyler Linderbaum, and I think he's probably – you know, when I watch Ryan Kelly, you know, trying to keep it close to home, and I think of Ryan Kelly, I think of Tyler Linderbaum. I think Kelly was a little bit bigger yep. and thicker and probably can hold up a little bit better against size, but I think Linderbaum's a little bit quicker and just a little bit nastier leverage-wise um, than, than Ryan. So he's the, he's the highest-ranked center I've ever had, and he's incredible. But I think it's those four, and then I think it's Thibodeau, Linderbaum, and then kind of everybody else at that point. So it seems like it's kind of a four-person draft, and we're sitting at three, so maybe we get one of those guys, maybe we trade no out. Um, we've got a certain situation that's got to be figured out, the quarterback position, whether there's a trade there and how that goes down. So uh, hopefully we walk out of this draft with one of those four and then a few other good players to start getting this thing built back where we had a few years ago. Yeah. Now sticking with this, I hope it's not too inside. Um, you know, you at the Combine, mm-hmm. when you look at what you're doing for your what, – what are you looking for? You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're talking to people, what are you looking for to help when you're ranking these players? I think the biggest thing for me – is to open my ears and listen. And I, that sounds weird, but that's kind of the former teacher in me is to listen because they'll tell you some things if you're just listening. They'll tell you whether they work hard. They'll tell you whether they, um, you know, listen to how often they use the word I, I, I. I like listening to the guys, and, you know, when you hear the good ones, they'll say we, we did this, we did that. Uh-huh. You know, I remember, and it's, it's funny because it was Braden Smith. 
this was whatever, 2018. Yeah. So Braden had signed up, and I don't know how he did it, but he did this thing where he was doing bench press reps for a charity. Like how many ever reps he did, a charity was getting like 100 bucks or something like that. And I think he did like 35 reps or something. And so the charity I think he was doing it for had either to do with kids or autism. And my son has high-functioning autism. And so I just made it a point to walk over there to say, hey, why are you doing this? Yeah. And, I don't, and I don't ask questions a lot of times to guys. But I just thought that that meant a lot to me personally. So I walked over and I just said, hey, why are you, why are you doing this? And he gave a really good answer. And then I just said, I said, thank you. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're welcome, sir. And I just thought it was just the way that he went. I was like, you know what? Class. Class. I, don't, I, don't care if the, I don't care if that guy's a guard or a tackle. I'll take him, <laughs> you know, at that point. <laughs> um, but I, I like to listen to some of these guys because they'll – sometimes they'll tell you without even realizing what they're saying. Right. Like, okay, this guy's telling me something, and I can, I can grab onto it. I love the workouts. I just love to see good athletes do great, great things. And then sometimes you grab a nugget out of there that you could that can end up helping not only my site but also the Texans too. And I, I told the story I told us the other day. We're, Mark and I did radio last night. We we're talking about some of our combine um, stories and so the combine in 2016. And you know, this was back when I was in the West Club. Yep. And so we're all jammed in there, and they've got like yeah. that the, sucked. By the way, it was, it was I mean, we were on top of each other. <laughs> and so there were three podiums I sat on the floor. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> what it felt like. There were three podiums, and then there were a bunch of tables where yeah, you know, they put some guys at the podium. You know, the bigger guys at that point, and those like Mariota and Goff, yeah. they all went to the, to the right. podium. And so, um, no, that was Goff and Wentz that went to the podiums. And so at the tables, they had different players. And so there happened to be a media member going around to the different tables, and he would go to the tables and say, "Hey, how fast are you gonna run a forty? And guys are like, oh, dude, I'm going to run 4'3". I'm going to run 4'3". And I look at a guy go, you're 4'5 at best, bro. <laughs> so everybody's just lying. So Will Fuller is sitting at the table, and I'm sitting basically from me to Mattaway. And that same guy comes around, and he just – he waits for – I can see him in the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> so he goes, hey, Will, how fast are you run 40? And without missing a beat, and for anybody that knows Will, Will does not – like to talk like those interviews are like pulling teeth but he was doing a good job i mean he was seemed to be relaxed yep. for the most part and that guy asked him without missing a beat he goes four three two <laughs> he went to notre dame so he should know <laughs> yeah, he so knows. i was like whoa like some of these other guys are like oh no man i think i can run a four two like there was one guy actually ended up being a texan he ended up running like four four one yeah it was fast yeah but he's like i'm being a four two range i'm like man you know how fast you gotta be in a four two <laughs> will goes four three two so that was on a that was on a uh, Thursday. We left on Friday. He runs on Saturday at like eight thirty in the morning. Right. And that son of a buck runs four three one. And I'm like, holy smokes! I mean, I thought four three two because I knew he's fast, but I was like, four three two is fast. But he was on it. And so draft night, I was like. I got a story to tell you guys. <laughs> so I, I told them, you know, we do radio for like 18 hours over the weekend on draft. And so that was, a, that was a great story to share. And right. so in typical Will fashion, I told, I told him that story and asked, he goes, I said, uh, you remember that? He goes, yeah. <laughs> That's all he said. Yeah. Yeah. Sure do. He goes, and then I said, well, did you, and I didn't even know what to ask him at that point. I thought he would elaborate. And I said, did you think you were on it at four, three, two? And he said, well, yeah, I mean, that's why I told him, John. <laughs> the kind of, I was like, okay, good, let's get off that. But, yeah, it was uh, – so, you know, you get a little, you know, little story here or there. And, you know, then, then there's always, you know, kind of local kids, you know, of course, local kids in Houston, guys that come from Houston. You know, Jalen Petrus from Stafford High School. 
um, will be here. You want to see how he does. And you kind of hear some of those stories, too. I always like those. But, you know, you just feel like when you're here, you're just, you know, somebody. Sponge. You, you know, you know uh, Rappaport or, or Pelissaro drops a bomb, and you're like, dude, I was like like three feet right. away from him. Yeah, I was like yeah, that to Casey yeah. and when he was tweeting that. I was like right there. I heard the same thing. The so hell? you feel like you're, you're kind of right there. But I think the biggest thing for me is I, I just listen. Yeah. I just listen to what they say. And you can tell some of the guys that are, you know, FOS. I can't say what the S is, but you can figure it out. There's some guys that are that, that have been coached up. They know mm-hmm. what to say. And then there's yeah. some guys that are just completely and totally genuine. You're like, okay, I can go to bat for that guy. It's John Harris. He's the football analyst for the Houston Texans, very tied into the draft. He's also the owner of footballtakeover.com. So let's go big picture on this draft and kind of tie that into the Colts as well. They don't have the first-round pick. Right. They gave that up last year for Carson Wentz. Is that a detriment? to their team building, or can they withstand that given how deep the draft is? There's not, right, it's not top-heavy with elite talent in the first round. Yeah, I mean, not having a first-round pick is, it's it's frustrating um, because they would have been in that spot where if they wanted to take a quarterback in this group, what, 19, 20, somewhere in that range, yeah. mm-hmm. I think you could have said, okay. We can package yeah, something. I yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think maybe that would be okay. Um this is not that draft where you're going to find that guy right away. And I'm big on windows, you know, how, how long a window can, can stay open. Correct. And, you know, our window obviously kind of got slammed shut with some of the things that we had going on the last couple of years. Um, but we felt like we had a window open for a while because Deshaun was a younger quarterback. I look at the Colts and say, wow, it's the other way around. It's all the talent that's around that if yeah. you plop the right quarterback in there. And, and I know that's what, what Chris and Frank were trying to do by bringing in Carson, that, hey, if he finds what he had in 2017, boy, we're on our way. But where that gets dicey is obviously if it doesn't happen, then you're left kind of holding the bag. Now, I'll give you the, the, the I don't know, not stop, sob story in some sense, but th- there is some hope kind of. We were in the same situation after 2016. We went and got Brock Osweiler, paid him a lot of money at the time, and we had to give up. Uh, we gave up a second-round pick, but we were not where we could give up picks and, and be good with it. But we gave up a second-round pick um, and signed him with a lot of money, and, oh, my gosh, it just it was not good. I mean, you guys saw it. It was not good. But, yeah, we made the playoffs, and we won a playoff game, but it was just Beat the not. Colts twice. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> I remember funny. Brock Osweiler two and zero against the yeah. Colts as a no. Texas quarterback. Oh, wow! So. But there was also a shoulder injury going on then oh, as well. Yes, there right? was. Yes, no. that's true. <laughs> I, we were, I hated seeing that for him, but uh, to yeah. to help us win games, it was okay. Anyways, the point being, when Osweiler, we knew it didn't work, and we're going, what do we do? Yeah, like what are, what are we going to do? What are we? We're sitting at twenty five in the draft, and mock drafts would come out, and somehow somebody would push down a Mahomes or a Watson to us in the draft, and we're like, hey, that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. We're not getting one of these quarterbacks. What are we going to do? I mean, we were stuck. And then it was like, oh, we're going to get Tony Romo. And then, of course, he retired. And so we were just lost. And then on draft day, Rick makes the move up. Rick Smith, or GM, made the move up to go get Sean Watson. And we're like, whoa. No, nobody saw it coming. And so we're like, holy smokes. Now, there was a Deshaun Watson to go get. There was a Patrick Mahomes to go get. Yeah. I don't know if that guy is in this particular draft, but the advantage from the Colts' standpoint is if they do end up getting a young quarterback, let's say you take Malik Willis, and I, and I don't know if that's the kind of guy that, that Chris will want, but if you take a guy like Malik Willis, he's got the biggest crutch in the world, and that is a tremendous offensive line, some very good receiving weapons, and 
Jonathan Taylor. And as you have that, that's going to give you an advantage to allow a young quarterback to grow. Problem is, I don't think that's going to be available where they're going to end up first picking. What's their first pick in the 50? 47. 40, yeah, 47. 47. Now, could there be a Sam Howell there, potentially? Could there be a Carson Strong there? Yes. I just don't know that that answer is going to be enough for a team that really needs that window open. Mm-hmm. I would expect Chris to be pretty active in the free agent market if there, any quarterback gets there. Um, Outside of quarterback or just quarterback? Just quarterback. I mean, I think in the draft, from the draft perspective, I think finding somebody opposite Xavier Rhodes is key. Yeah. I think another playmaking weapon, depending on – I mean, I don't know T.Y.'s contract status, but – He's a free agent. You can't play us 16, 17 games a year, and if you do, he'd be, you know <laughs> – And he's contemplating retirement as well. Yeah, well, thank God. Um, <laughs> but I think, a, I think a playmaking weapon at receiver would help them. I think, you know, uh, having somebody opposite Xavier Rhodes. I thought Rock would be that guy. I don't know that he's, he's become what Ballard thought he would be. Um, I love a guy like Kyir Elam. He's a lot like Xavier Rhodes, I think, at 47. Uh-huh. That would be a tremendous spot uh, for Elam. I have him, I think, in the 30s or 40s, I think. But I've watched him again. I think, man, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't get out of the first round. But he's the kind of guy that I would think could end up there. Those are a couple of spots if they decide not to go quarterback. If I were Ballard, I'd call up the, I'd call up the Packers and see, all right, you guys keeping Rodgers? Yeah. What about Jordan Love? Uh-huh. It's a weird, strange thought, but mm-hmm. maybe you give them 47 and they'll part with Jordan Love maybe. Yeah. And then it's a guy that's been in the league for a couple of years. He hasn't played a lot, but he's a young guy. And if you start to see signs, now all of a sudden you got hope that you can get there very quickly because you got a dual-threat athletic quarterback that can get you somewhere. So that to me is going to be the interesting part for him this offseason, how he's going to go about it um, if, if Carson – and it feels like Carson's not the guy going forward – so how do you rectify that? I think if you stay in the draft, I think in the 47 range, guys like Sam Howell, Carson Strong, uh, maybe even Desmond Ritter. Now, that would be an interesting one because Desmond's mm-hmm. got a lot of different things that I think teams are going to like, that you can talk yourself into him being a guy that you can build with. And I say talk yourself into it because I do think 2022 would be a little early for that to happen. Yeah. But I do think he's a guy you could build with. But if you did something in which you got a quarterback – that has some age. He's got some rings on the tree, if you will. Uh, and you brought in a Desmond Ritter that could learn a little bit. Maybe in a year or so you'd have a succession plan and away you go. Uh, and I think that's with this window that they have open and available right now, they've got to have somebody immediately. I don't know that quarterback is there to do it, but if they can find a piece to get him started, I think mm-hmm. there is a young quarterback that they can build with going forward. Now, I know we've talked about how, you know, we just mentioned there may not be that quarterback in that first round, but it seems like year in, year out in the NFL draft, guys fall, guys rise. Absolutely. Now, let's go non-quarterback division. So anybody else, if you're looking at the Colts there at 47, is Mm -hmm. there a guy you see in the first round who's got – you know, some people grade him this way, some people grade is – there, is there a couple guys that you see falling that you can envision a team packaging something to go get that kind of guy? Let's say it's a corner. Because I'm, I'm looking at more, you know, your, your top-tier positions, yep. whether it's a corner defensive end. Are there any of those guys that could be back in first-round picks? You may not have to give up as much to move up and get one of those guys. In the oh, first round. In the first round. To go get yeah. in the first round. Because um, the Colts don't have a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a – you know, Kyrie Elam, Elam was the first one that came to mind. Because I think, I think people have sort of soured on him for some reason. And I'm not totally sure why. He's got all his size. Well, I, should, I, I do know why. I mean, he's, there have been games where he just is uninterested, just 
I mean, it doesn't matter. But now he's facing Jameson Williams of Florida or uh, Alabama. He's all about it. So Kyrie Elam could be could be one of those guys. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that that love um, Bernard Raymond from out of Central Michigan. I don't know that I don't know that I do, but I could see. And you guys, I don't think are going to end up needing offensive line, but that's another one that's that strikes me. If you're looking for a playmaking receiver, I think one that I have kind of right. I think he's 33 or 34. If you're looking for a playmaking receiver, I love Jahan Dotson from Penn State, and I think he's the kind of guy that you could put with Pittman, and I think he would fit because Dotson could play out of the slot. Mm -hmm. He also could play wide. There's a lot of things you can do schematically with a guy with those kind of hands and that kind of speed in the slot. Now, he's not your typical kind of – Slot, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Julian Edelman, kind of, uh-huh. you know, kind of quick guy, you know, quick cuts, those kind of things. But he's got tremendous hands, and he's going to create a lot of mismatches by going inside. And you can also put him outside because he's got the speed to get on the field. So if you're looking offensive playmaker, I think that ends up being a guy. But to me, at corner, it's Kyrie Elam. Now, I'm also curious to see where Derek Stingley goes. Stingley is going to be a fascinating case study in this because he really hasn't played since 2019, mm-hmm. really. He's got unbelievable assets and traits. He's not going to work out at the combine. He's been hurt. He's like everything the scouts are just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it drives him crazy. But the flip side of this is this dude is incredibly talented. So I don't think he gets pushed all the way down to the bottom of the first round. You know, he starts getting moved down the board. I'm sure that Belichick is just like, come on. We'll, yeah. we'll take him. We'll, you guys are going to let Derek Stingley come to us. We'll let J.C. Jackson walk, and we'll just get this guy. Yeah. And this guy is going to end up being better. So he, the corner position is, I think, really interesting one to watch because you, I could see any number of guys that kind of fall out of – you know, teams fall out of love. They're like, eh, we don't love these corners. And the other part of it is, too, with corners – the philosophy of teams. Like for us, you know, we're Lovey Smith, you know, Tampa 2 defense. Mm-hmm. We're not one that, you know, plays a ton of press, man. Like we got, like we've got to have a lockdown corner. It's kind of the 49ers philosophy too. 49ers don't put a lot of stock in going and getting corners because they just go get the guys up front. Exactly. They go get the Bosa's and the Javon Kinlaw's and Armstead and Buckner, which you guys obviously right. reap the benefits of. <clears throat> they go out and they get those guys. And then they get the corners a little bit later in the draft. And so what I think that's doing also is also pushing guys down. So if corner ends up being a spot that they would look at, then I think they they will have their pick of a couple or three guys that are going to be really, really interesting uh, at that point. Running games, tremendous. Offensive line, running back, fine. I think an offensive playmaker, you know, T.Y. obviously up there in years wasn't giving them as much, but you put somebody opposite Michael Pittman with some juice down the field, that gets really exciting. But defensively, I always – and I told Ballard this at the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago. I was like, you guys need a corner. I was like, you're going to draft the corner. And he's like, nah, <laughs> nah. It's pretty good, Ballard. It's not bad. That was pretty good. Nah, man. Nah, we're, love. love. Nah, we can, nah. <laughs> you know, win with the big guys, Johnny. <laughs> and then he drafts Rocky Senior. Went up front. Pick. There you go. The text him was like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so, and he's coached the secondary before. He knows how. And, you know, when Xavier was right, the last couple of years, you know, Xavier could, yeah. could be pretty tough. He put receivers yeah. in a bind, and, and I could see them getting another guy at that particular spot. You get Blackman off injury. You know, Kari, I think, has done some really good things for the most mm-hmm. part. Yeah. I feel like corner and playmaker are the two spots. Where do you think they'll go? I mean, obviously quarterback. I mean, that's Where do you guys think they'll go? Well, 
I mean, you're looking at long-term answers at premium positions. Yep. yep. And I've I've said that till I'm blue in the face. Yep. Uh, the last two months. I mean, yeah. Left tackle too. Left yeah. tackle. Yep. Wide receiver. I mean, John, the, the Colts were the only team in the NFL that had one player over 400 yards, and that was it. That hadn't happened since 1988 for the Colts as a franchise. Holy they didn't have two receivers over 400 yards yep. receiving. Right. Yep. So I mean, Jonathan. So you it was playmaker. Yep. It was very much Jonathan Taylor centric, and and rightfully yep. so. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're looking at, unfortunately, without a first-round pick, and you need – we're still t- – unfortunately for the Colts, you're still talking about the same things you were talking about this past off season yep. with who's going to play quarterback, is T.Y. Hilton coming back, yep. who's – you know, do you have enough pi- firepower at wide receiver, who's going to play left tackle. Last year was Anthony Costanzo. This year it's Eric Fisher, who's a, yep. another free agent. I'll give you a guy that I've uh, – it, it just hit me when, you, when you're talking about left tackles. I think he is moldable clay. I don't think he is quite there. But when I think about a Quentin Nelson-Tyler Smith combination, Tyler Smith's left tackle at Tulsa. And I've, I've watched him probably two, three games. Name gets called for holding every now and again. But I was watching him against Oklahoma State. It's on YouTube, and I just saw some guy had spliced out. He had done the Oklahoma State offense. I'm sorry, the Tulsa offense goes to Oklahoma State defense. It was like 10 minutes long, and I just was kind of killing time, and I'd put it on. And it's just a game copy, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's wanting to fight every play. I mean, you know, it's just that mentality that Quentin has yeah. that you then would have in a tackle. I have him at 42. Daniel Jeremiah just put him in the first round of his mock draft, and I think, man, he's not polished, mm-hmm. but he is tough. He is strong, heavy. I mean, just – the type of guy that you want at tackle that just takes souls. But the Colts don't want projects. In the first or second no. round, they don't want projects. Don't think, they want, they want plug-and-play guys that left a, tackle. I don't think he's a project, but he's, he needs some polish. Yeah. But I think he's the kind of guy that they could do something with, especially in that run game, because they do want to run the ball as much as they do. I think they can work through some of those rust spots because as a run blocker, He's yeah. taking linebackers and putting them in the cheap seats. I think this is a good draft for tackles. And balancing where they're drafting and, like you said, having somebody that's ready to play, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough. But if you have a guy that has the mindset to be able to do that, to me, a guy like Tyler Smith, if he ends up with you guys, I'll be ticked on draft night. <laughs> Trust me, when, when I heard Michael Pittman's name called second round, I'm like, man, Ballard, that gummit. So – the one that it's kills me. Is, that the one that kills good. me. The one that kills me is Jonathan Taylor because yeah, I I had Taylor at sixteen in my Harris one hundred, and I was just we had a we had a social media director that was a Wisconsin Badger yeah, and he and I were in the same office and we used to talk about putting Deshaun with Jonathan Taylor. I was like, there's no way. Yeah, I was like, he's gonna be gone by the time we get like Jesse. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Well, he ended up going to the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Jesse did our social media director, and so draft night. He gets the 40, and he texts me. He's like, he's still there. <laughs> I'm like, and then the Colts trade up. I, I honestly, I, I asked five people during the combine that year, why is Jonathan Taylor so low? Yeah. Because you look I at just, what he did, I, I just know. didn't understand it. I and, I mean, yeah. clearly in 2021 he showed. Who was it, Clyde? It was it Edwards Clyde Lair. Clyde Lair. Right, he was yeah. only running back in yep. round one that year. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and look, Clyde's got, yeah, I mean, he's got, definite, he's got a definite future in this game. But we're sitting there, we're at 40. We're at 40, and we took Ross Blacklock. And, I, you know, look, Ross has flashed at certain times, but what we have lacked for two years yeah. is a run game. Now, 
would Jonathan have had as much success behind our offensive right. line as he did with y'all? But here's the, the thing. Here's the thing about Jonathan Taylor, and we've all seen it. He makes yards when there are no yes. yards to be made. You're making my point. Yeah, <laughs> you're making my point, Matt. We could have used a few of those yes. yards, right? We could have used the you feel And here's the other. Here's the other offshoot of that. That forty. That number forty pick came as a result of trading DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. and so. You David, want a bigger return there. Yeah, right. absolutely. You, and, and Taylor would have at least softened the blow of sure. that trade. Mm-hmm. And what we got back in that trade was Ross, who you know, had been hurt for a year, then had a decent year, and has really kind of been trying to find his footing. And then we also got David Johnson in that deal, and David was well past the expiration date. Yeah. And, and, and yet still trying to force feed him the ball to kind of try and make that trade look. Yeah. But if that, had that been Jonathan Taylor, and we got you know, some other piece instead of David Johnson – the other pick we we traded was to get Brandon Cooks. So now all of a sudden you look at it and say, well, we traded Hop and we got Cooks and we got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. you know. But you yeah. know, sometimes you gotta you know, live and, <laughs> you live and learn, and then you watch that mistake face you twice a year, and it's a killer. Yeah. It's a killer. You're a good dude, John Harris, right there, football analyst for the Houston Texans. And because you're a good dude, I'm gonna ask you a question before I ask you a question okay. as we wrap up here. Do Do you want me to ask you about Deshaun yes. Watson? Go ahead. Well, go I mean, <laughs> go I, mean ahead. I, I feel He's, bad yeah, asking yeah. the question. All right, so, no. like, what? <laughs> go ahead. What, what, what are we doing? No, like, I don't, it, I mean, what, 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 what's going on? Here's the thing. Nobody knows. Absolutely nobody has any idea because of, of the legal situation. And his lawyer uh, came out, Rusty Harden came out and said uh, last week at a hearing uh, that he requested to try and buy a, buy a little bit more time. He essentially said the criminal situation will be um, resolved, Mm -hmm. apparently, in the next three weeks. Once there is some clarity on that, then I think there will be some sort of movement. What that movement will be, we don't know. It just stays on the hot stove until somebody makes makes a a move. But it is definitely something that it's it's hung over us. All all, I mean, it's How, how how far back did it set the Texans? Can, can you put it into words? I mean, is it? I mean, it's years. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's tough. I mean, when you feel like you've got a top five quarterback in the league at a minimum, maybe top three, right? And then no it's just it's just gone. It, it's not not only that it's gone, it's lingering, and you can't get any for benefit it. back right. for it. Yeah, right. In that all year long, and then of course the training camp situation right. where it was like. You know, you got to go to training camp. You got to be there. And then he's getting frustrated. He's saying to the media who treated him very, very well, why y'all filming me? It's the same bleep every day. I mean, it, it, it's just – it was tough. Once the season started and the games were going on, it was hard, but you just got ready for the next game. You just right. kept going. The Groundhog's week. And you knew that the trade deadline was going to be dicey because then it was going to get brought back up again. And mm-hmm. then, of course, it was, oh, it's going to – the deal's done. And I was actually told by a couple of friends of mine in Houston the deal was done. Yeah. And then it was. So it's going to continue to linger, and hopefully there's some clarity that comes with this uh, criminal situation. But it really has, has loomed so large. And I think just moving away from I think, you know, we had a game against the Chargers on the 26th, the day after Christmas. And Chargers are a good football team. I mean, they were, they were min- not even a minute. They were seconds away from going to the playoffs. And we housed them that day. Yeah. And – it was interesting because the fans just kind of let out all their emotions. Tavier Thomas had a pick six at the end that sealed it, essentially. 
and the place went ballistic. I mean, I was on the sideline losing my mind. I mean, this is a four and thirteen team. We're winning a third. <laughs> we're winning our fourth game of the year, and I'm losing my mind on the sidelines because that just it was such a hard. It was like all the emotion of all that year was just coming out. Right. Yeah. Of just you know professionally. Mark's call was just like. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a day after Christmas. It was just everything. It was just. That was kind of the feeling that we had lost because all of that loomed so large. Right. Getting Lovey Smith back is definitely going to help, and adding a few more pieces. You know, Davis playing better. He didn't play great against you guys, obviously, but you know, played better at the end of the year. Started showing some progress. That got people excited about what maybe he can do uh, in 2022 at a minimum. Uh, and then if we can get some clarity on Deshaun and and his situation, then we'll hopefully all all be able to move on. I mm-hmm. think everybody is at a point where it's like, let's shake hands, let's move on, let's go. This is a this is a hard question to answer because I don't think anybody really knows it except for those that are making the decisions. But when you look at he set out an entire year, yep. does that at all decrease that trade value, or is it you've seen what he's done? It wasn't like he was injured; it was a full year. He, does do you think that at all will impact what the return is going to be? I mean, if you if you look at it as let's say he was injured, but it was an injury that you could come back from, right? I think it would kind of be the same thought process. Okay. Now, you sit out a second year. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, now it gets a little dicey. But I think a year, okay. But, you know, he had sat out more than half of his rookie year with the ACL. Right. Then he was there 18, 19, 20. Now he sat out all at 2021. So I do think there will be a team that says, yeah, we're not – we think there might be a little bloom off the rose, but there are going to be other teams going – <laughs> that guy's dumb. <laughs> We're going to go. This guy yeah. will be fine. Right. Yeah. This guy will be fine. He's 27. He's got plenty of football ahead of him. I think it's just gotten to a point where it, if the legal situation can be resolved, and I, I say all that, and we always in Houston kind of preface it all with, we understand the gravity of the situation. We right. All, right. Oh, absolutely. We're just talking us, football. Exactly. All of us do, but we talk football, and that's what we do. We understand the gravity of that. If it can get resolved, there will be some teams that will be like, yeah, well, no, no doubt. I don't know if they'll get all the way to, to the asking price because, I mean, you know how it is. Hey, I'll sell you my, my reader glasses for a million dollars. Okay, well, you're not going to get a million. I don't know if it's that drastic, but nobody's ever had or been put in an, oppor- in a, in an opportunity or whatever you can call it to trade a quarterback of this magnitude. Right. So how do you even know what to base the trade off of? Because I know when, when Chris made the trade with the Eagles, he based that trade off Alex Smith. There was, like, there was precedent mm-hmm. there, and that's what he based that trade value off of. I don't know what the trade value is supposed to be based off of, so I think Nick Casario said this is what we're looking for. No Hopefully doubt. we're going to end up getting it. Yeah. And if we get continued good play from Davis and we can reap in benefits of a trade, that's going to help us in the long run, and hopefully we can get back and – uh, be in the mix where the Colts and Texas are playing for this thing every year. No doubt about it, man. You're a good guy. Appreciate John Harris guys. right there. From yeah, thank you. Case. FootballTakeover.com. He's the, the football analyst for the Houston Texans. Enjoy the rest of the Combine, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us.